one of the reasons uh, I think the Christmas story is so powerful uh, is because of all of the prophetic fulfillment that took place in order for the Christmas story to be possible. Um, Jesus was prophesied about, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus was prophesied about hundreds of years before he ever showed up in the manger. Uh, the Christmas story not only unwrapped Jesus' prophetic destiny, but it also unwraps our prophetic destiny as adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Uh, I've got two scriptures that I would like to start my message off with. Uh, and so my first scripture is going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And my second scripture is Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. So you can turn there if you have your Bibles with you, or they will be up on the screen for you to read along as well. So I'm going to start with Ephesians 2.10, and it says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. And then let's jump to Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, He was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Names were very significant in the Bible. In fact, there are only seven people in the Bible who were named by God before they were born. Only seven, seven people in the Bible were named by God before they were born. Ishmael, the son of Abram and his wife's servant Hagar, he was named before he was born. Isaac, also the son of Abram, uh, but he was the promised son of Abraham and Sarai. He was named before uh, he was born. Solomon, the son of David and Bathsheba. Josiah, the king of Israel. Cyrus, the king of Persia. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. And last, but certainly not least, Jesus. These seven men, they had, God had chosen their names before they were born. And, and I say that because it's significant to the message that I'm going to share with you. Jesus' name was a description of his prophetic destiny, okay? His name was the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, and it meant Jehovah is Savior. Our prophetic destiny is what we were put on this earth for. We were all put on this earth for a plan and a purpose. We are not an accident, and we are not a mistake, uh, Jesus was put on this earth to be the savior of the world. You and I were put on this earth primarily to declare that Jesus is the savior of the world. Uh, I also think it's significant that Jesus' name was given to him before he was conceived. Before he was conceived. It was given to Mary by the angel Gabriel. Uh, let's rewind to the first chapter of Luke. I, I want to read Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read verses 26 through 33, and it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Before Jesus was born, he had a prophetic destiny. Before Jesus was born, he had a prophetic destiny. His destiny was to be great and come to this earth as the son of the most high God. Uh, when Luke says that Jesus will be called the son of the most high God, he was actually signifying equality with God. Uh, his destiny was to rule and reign as his ancestor David ruled and reigned. His destiny was to rule over an eternal kingdom that will never, ever, ever end. It will last forever. It will last for eternity. His destiny was to bring salvation to a broken and sinful and imperfect mankind. That was Jesus's prophetic destiny. That's why Jesus was put on this earth to bring us salvation. And let me tell you something, just as Jesus had a prophetic destiny before he was conceived, you and I have a prophetic destiny that was given to us before we were conceived. Let me tell you something, church. God named you before you were born. God named you before you were born. Paul tells us in the first scripture that I read in Ephesians that God created us anew in order to accomplish the good works he set out for us when? Long ago. Before you were born, God had a purpose, a plan, and a destiny set out for you. He had something for you that he had planned for you to accomplish here on earth. Each one of us has been put on this earth for a purpose and for a reason. You being alive today, it's not an accident. It's not a mistake. You sitting in here, in this church, in these seats, in this school, in this auditorium today, it is not a mistake and it is not an accident. Your life experience, the family you were born into, the color of your skin, uh, your personality, uh, even the city you're living in right now, none of these things are accidents. None of these things are by mistake. There's a purpose for everything that has ever happened in your life. And it has to do with your prophetic destiny. It has to do with your purpose of why you were put here on this earth. It has to do with why you are sitting here today listening to this message. And here's the deal. We can be confident of our destiny because all throughout the biblical Christmas narrative, we see God preserving Jesus's destiny and those who were to be a part of what Jesus came to this earth to accomplish. Uh, some of you, some of you have had a rough 2018. If I said, lift your hand, if you have had a difficult, traumatic, painful, hurtful 2018, where things didn't go your way, a discouraging 2018, a lot of people in this room would lift their hands and say, that was me. Man, I, I had this goal in mind for 2018, and I, didn't even, I wasn't even close to reaching it. Uh, if, I could, if I could just forget and erase and delete this whole year from my memory, I would do it because it was such a bad 
year. Some of you have had disappointments and struggles and pain this year. Some of you may have lost vision for God's plan and purpose for your life. Maybe you started the year full of fire, full of faith. You had vision. You had, you had clarity on what you were supposed to do. But by the end of it, now that we have a couple weeks left, you're like, you've lost complete vision. You've, you, you have no clarity. Everything is confusing and chaotic and all of those things. And that's the place that you're in right now. Some of you are doubting your destiny because of what you're going through right now. If that's you, I'm here to tell you that if God had called you, if God has called you, he's not finished with you yet. What he says he'll do, he's going to do. Okay? I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how many disappointments you've had. I don't care how de depressed or discouraged you are today. If God called you, if God uh, has put breath in your lungs today, he is not finished with you yet. You might think you're finished. You might think, I, I, you, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I, I have no chance. I'm here to tell you, if you're living and you're breathing and you're sitting in here, God is not finished with you. He has something amazing for you. You are not a mistake and you are not an accident. What he says he's going to do he is going to do regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the obstacle, regardless of the odds that are stacked against you. What he's called you to do, he'll preserve in you. Amen. And so I want to spend the next few minutes with you talking about what God does for us to ensure our prophetic destiny. What we were put on this earth to do is fulfill what God does for. We're, we're not just kind of dropped here on this earth and, and, and God is like fend for yourself and, and, and just figure it out, right? What he's called you to do, the gifts he's put in you, he's also going to preserve. Even if you've made some mistakes this year, even if you've had some disappointments this year, even if you're not even living for him right now, he is going to preserve what he's put inside of you and called you to do. And so, Here's what God does for us to ensure our prophetic destiny is fulfilled. Number one, sometimes he shuts our mouths. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes God shuts my mouth. Sometimes he shuts our mouth in order to preserve our prophetic destiny. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, we see that the angel Gabriel visits a priest named Zechariah at the temple that he was ministering at. And he tells him that he's going to have a son, and this son is going to be a very, very special man. We know that the Bible, the angel, what the angel was talking about to Zechariah was going to be the man that we know of as John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus. And the angel tells him that this son is going to be a forerunner for Jesus, and that he will turn many people back to the Lord during his ministry. Uh, Gabriel was very specific in his description of this son in the gospel of Luke chapter number one. He said that John the Baptist, your son, he will, be a, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. That's what he said about his son. He said, your son will not drink wine or any alcohol. He said, your son will be filled with the spirit while in his uh, mother's womb. So, so while he's in his in the mom's belly, while the belly's out here with a little baby running around in that, uh, swimming around in that. He will be filled with the Spirit while he's inside of his mom's womb. And he also told Zechariah that your son 
will prepare the way for Jesus to come onto the scene. Now, listen. Now, the angel tells him all these things. That the angel appears. Whoa! He appears, tells him all these great things about his son. Now, listen to Zechariah's response in Luke chapter 1 and verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? He wanted some certainty. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. He probably said it like Ticho uh, uh, welcomes us in the morning. I am Gabriel. You know, uh, I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Verse 20, and now you will be silent, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. How many of you have ever said something and immediately as the words came out of your mouth, you regretted what you said? You put your foot right in your mouth. Uh, men, for those of you that are married, right, or maybe have a significant other, uh, <laughs> has your lady ever asked you, do I look fat? And you said anything other than, no, honey, of course not. If you have, you know this feeling of as soon as something comes out of your mouth, you regret what you have to say because the only right answer when a woman asks you if she's fat is absolutely not. Absolutely not. You are skinny as a toothpick, honey. You ever ask a woman if she's pregnant only to have her tell you, no, I'm not actually. If you ever have, you know, you know this feeling. As soon as the words come out your mouth, you regret what you said. Zechariah gets an angelic visitation from Gabriel himself. And how many of you know that if an angel visits you, you probably need to believe what they have to say? Right. Because they're not speaking on their own because angels are messengers from God and they only speak what God tells them to speak. They're a middleman. They're a messenger. They're a representative. In fact, Gabriel, I don't know if you know this, uh, Gabriel is only uh, one of two angels that are named in Scripture. Any other time an angel is mentioned, it's just called an angel. But, but Gabriel is one of only two angels that are actually named in Scripture. Anybody know the other one's name? Michael. You're right. So Gabriel and Michael. So the big dog angel visits Zechariah, tells him all of these things that God says about his son. You would think that Zechariah, if an angel visited him and one of the big dog angels, that he would say, yes, I received this. I can't wait. This is exciting. I know I'm old. I know my wife is, is a little bit older too. But if you say it, if God's saying it, and he, he asks you to come talk to me, then I believe it. But not Zechariah. He proceeds to question the angel out of unbelief, and God shuts his mouth because of it. The truth of the matter is that this was probably the best thing that could have happened to Zechariah, because based on his initial response and, 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 and how he used his mouth, uh, Zechariah would have probably messed this whole thing up had he had the ability to speak the entire time. You, you have a friend that Man, you've got to like pre-warn them beforehand because you know they're going to say something that just totally offends everybody in the room or they're going to say something completely off the wall that makes no sense. So you kind of, 
Actually, you don't prep them. You prep everybody else. And you say, hey, I'm bringing so-and-so. Just to warn you, you know, they're going to say something that's probably offensive. They're going to say something that's, a, that, that's just not, that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. Just want to warn you there. It, you know, I think God saved Zechariah because he probably would have used his mouth to mess this whole thing up before it even started. And here's the deal, church. God might not physically make you unable to speak, but many times he allows circumstances and situations into our lives that removes our ability to control the situation. Why? Because he's trying to show us what he can do. And as long as we have control, as long as we continue to exert control over the situation, God can't show us what he can do. And so sometimes he puts us in situations and circumstances to where we lose control so that God can show off his goodness and his power and that he can show off that he knows way better than we do about life and about decisions and about what he wants to accomplish through us. Think about this for a moment. In his grace, God preserved John the Baptist's prophetic destiny to prepare the way for Jesus by shutting the mouth of his unbelieving father. God in his grace did that. Some of us are going through things and we start blaming God. We start blaming our spouse. We start blaming our mom and dad. We start blaming our dog. We start blaming anybody that we can possibly think of. And, and, and if we would really step outside a little bit and think about what's going on, for some of us, God in his grace yeah. is putting us in a situation where we don't have control so he can show us what he can do. Mm, that's good stuff. You think your words aren't important? Think again. They were for Zechariah. How else does God preserve our prophetic destiny? He does it by shutting our mouths. And number two, by shutting doors on relationships. Probably thinking, what a positive message Pastor Stephen's <laughs> speaking right now. It'll get more positive here. Uh, he preserves our prophetic destiny by sometimes shutting doors on relationships. In Matthew chapter 2, we're told that magi from the east, led by a star, arrive in Jerusalem asking everyone where the king of the Jews were born because they were there to see him and worship him. Herod, who was the present king of the Jews, finds out about these magi that are looking for the king of the Jews and uh, he, he, he finds out about this and uh, he gets alarmed and he gets threatened and, and so he, he, he plans this meeting with the magi to figure out what exactly they're in Jerusalem Four. And so let's pick up the story here in Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And so they get to the house where baby Jesus was. They worship him. They bless him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But then watch what they do 
once the visit is finished because they told Herod they were going to go back and report to him exactly where Jesus was so that he could go and worship as well. Verse number 12, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God preserved Jesus' prophetic destiny by protecting him from King Herod. Herod acted like he wanted to pay homage to Jesus, but what his real intentions were was to end his life before it ever got started. Okay, God protected Jesus by rerouting the wise men. God has and is preserving some of your destinies in this place by protecting you from certain people because he knows that if you guys get together, it's going to be a toxic, unhealthy situation. If it seems like there are doors closing on certain relationships in your life, maybe, just maybe, it's God acting in your behalf to preserve your destiny. Amen? Because your destiny and my destiny, this thing, I, know, I don't know a lot of things, but this I know, your destiny and my destiny are closely related to who we surround ourselves with. If you surround yourself with the wrong people, even if you have a great destiny that God has promised to you, your toxic friends will bring you down. Your toxic connections will bring you down. I don't care how many times you've been prophesied over. I don't care how gifted or talented you are. If you surround yourself with the wrong people that don't encourage you and don't lift you up, but they tear you down and they put you in situations that are harmful to you, you will never fulfill the plan of God for your life. And so sometimes God shuts the doors on relationships because he's preserving your destiny because he loves you so much. We cry and cry and cry over people that we lose in our lives when in the long run, it's good for us. Because if we were connected to that person, we would go right into the pit along with them. You see, for all we know, the wise men may have thought of it an honor or the will of God that Herod, the present king, wanted to meet and worship the future king, Jesus. Right. But if Jesus had met Herod, he would have been killed before his time to die. Read it for yourselves in Matthew 2 and 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. But Father God was one step ahead of Herod and had already warned Joseph to flee to Egypt. So again, Jesus' life was spared. Man, I'm preaching to someone here. I may be preaching to several people here. God is trying to keep your destiny from dying before it's time by keeping you away from certain relationships, by closing the door on certain relationships in your life. He's preserving your destiny. It's not because he hates you. It's not because he doesn't like you. It's not because he doesn't want you to be fulfilled. It's because he has something far greater for you. The third way God preserves our prophetic destiny is he warns us to flee. He warns us 
to flee. Matthew 2, verses 13 through 15 says, When they, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Sometimes the devil attacks our prophetic destiny from the outside, and sometimes the battle comes from within. Our own sinful fleshly desires, keeping us from fulfilling our God-given, God-mandated assignment for our lives. We are tempted to pursue other things outside the will and plan of God for our lives. Uh, we're, we're, we're tempted to be drawn away from where God is taking us. Listen to these scriptures, and if I could have Ticho just come up and, and start uh, playing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee sexual immorality. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful lusts. The Bible is very clear that we are not to entertain temptation. We are not to entertain temptation, but instead we are supposed to run as far away from temptation as we possibly can. We're supposed to run from it. Japheth, he's a godly man. I know Japheth, he's, a, he's an amazing man, but just for the sake of the illustration, if Japheth is temptation, okay, I, this is not supposed to be me where I edge as close as I possibly can. I, I'm not supposed to try to entertain temptation. I'm not supposed to try to look at it in the eyes and play the staring contest. The Bible says I'm supposed to run as far away from temptation as I possibly can. Why? Because it's dangerous. Never underestimate the power of temptation in your life. Never underestimate that power because if you go too close to it, if you entertain it, it'll reach out and grab you. It'll reach out and grab you. So the Bible says to flee. The Bible says that he has provided a way of escape, right? Don't make the mistake of underestimating the power of temptation in your life. This passage from Matthew I read is a perfect illustration of what I'm trying to say. Herod represents sin, and if you allow Herod to capture you, he will put you to death because sin ultimately leads to death, Romans 6, 23. You see, Joseph didn't stick around Bethlehem to see what happened. He, he didn't try to wait it out. When the angel gave him a dream and he said, you need to go to Egypt, he didn't try to endure. He didn't try to confront Herod. He didn't try to stay and see if it was as bad as the angel made it out to be. No, Joseph... He was warned in a dream and he fled to Egypt. He didn't wait around. He didn't entertain the thought. He just fleed, fled, fleed, fled. He fleed, man. In verse 15, Matthew quotes Hosea 11.1 1 when he says, And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt 
I called my son. Egypt represents our fallen humanity. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt until a deliverer came, called by God to set them free. In the same way, you and I were enslaved to sin until Jesus came into our lives and delivered us and set us free. Jesus fleeing to Egypt is symbolic of Jesus stepping out of heaven and coming to this fallen earth. That's the story of Christmas, that the God of the universe loved us so much that he stepped out of heaven to live among an imperfect humanity. Jesus came to this earth to save us and to set us free. And the only way you and I could escape the consequence of our sin was for Jesus to live among sinners, yet live a sinless life. The only way was for Jesus to watch others sin, yet sin not. The only way that this was going to happen was for Jesus to experience the brokenness of humanity, yet not let that brokenness infiltrate his heart. And because Jesus fulfilled his prophetic destiny as our sinless, spotless Savior, you and I can fulfill our destiny in Christ Jesus. This destiny that he prepared long ago, this destiny that he goes to great lengths to preserve, this destiny that he goes to great lengths to protect. Church, if you've had a rough 2018, or if you've had a great 2018, I want you to look at me. I want to tell you something. I'm going to try to look every one of you in the eye. You are God's masterpiece. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are not here by random happenstance. You are God's masterpiece. Some of you need to hear that. You are God's masterpiece. I feel walls breaking in this place. You are God's masterpiece. I see lies going, uh, uh, going away in your mind right now. You are God's masterpiece. I see some clarity. I see some clarity happening right now. Some of you are so deep in your struggle that you just need to hear someone else say it to you. I'll say it to you. I'll be your crutch. I don't care. I'll be used by God to tell you what you need to hear because you're so deep in your struggle, you can't tell it to yourself. Even if you did, you wouldn't believe it. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. There's some barriers being broken in this place this morning. Amen. Just as people go to extreme lengths to preserve masterpieces like the Mona Lisa or the Starry Night or the creation of Adam or the Last Supper, you better believe that the creator and architect of your life will go to great lengths to preserve and protect your destiny because you are his masterpiece. You need to know that. You need to know that, that you are not a throwaway. You are not a replica. You, you, you are not made with artificial flavors. 
You're the real deal because the creator has breathed his life into you. You have the breath of God in you. You are his masterpiece. So during this Christmas season, as we're going to parties and spending time with family and and some of us are, are not looking forward to some of those family members and those family gatherings. I know, I understand. But as we're going through this Christmas season, let's not forget that we have a purpose, that we have a prophetic destiny. And we can fulfill our destiny because Jesus came before us and fulfilled his destiny. And God will go to great lengths to preserve your destiny because you are his masterpiece. Amen.